let's turn to learn some more from the precious book whose words last forever <laughs> the Bible chapter 22 of Matthew <clears throat> Really, a preacher needs to be in the book, not in a whole lot of other places. The book is so important, the Bible. And the, <coughs> here, the Lord, it's no mistake that he's doing what he's doing and he's asked the questions he's asked. These, these have <coughs> long-term ramifications, the answers to the questions, even the questions were asked. The Lord knew they'd be asked and he gave answers. <clears throat> and last week we were looking at the causes for the disputes. I mean, the, the cases of disputes, the causes were already done and the three answers with parables, three different parables. So there's the crisis, the causes and, and the cases now, the cases of dispute where the Lord disputing with three different groups only, the only group that's not in dispute here or raises a, raised a question were the scribes, the recordists, I've called them. I think, yes, that's point D. The other three, three main groups are, are mentioned here as disputing with the Lord Jesus, arguing with deity. <laughs> you ever had a bit of an argument with the Lord? Did you win? No. And if you think you did... He will bring circumstances to bear to make you see that you didn't <laughs> in our lives. So don't, don't, don't argue. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord, <laughs> is, is, a, is where we need to be. And so last week we looked at these, the first dispute, the cases before us. And the plan was devised, and it's by... The royalists, the Herodians, and the plan was deployed in verse 16 to and the 22. We saw their deceit, their denunciation, their defeat in the debate with the Lord. And uh, a saying that's come right down to today that unsaved people use. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Remember last week now? Remember we were talking about taxes last week? And um, I... I <laughs> I couldn't let it go for a while, so I woke up one early, mid-morning, early morning, and thought, I'll, I'll Google this. It's uh, amazing what you can find there, and uh, where, do, where do we sit in the gross domestic product of the world as an Australian, uh, as a country that's 250 years old? Where do we fit? Has, has the government taxed us enough or not enough? Uh, what have we that we didn't have when we weren't here? I mean... 250 years ago, if you come out here, there was the indigenous people, um, there was a few pathways along creeks and rivers, the campsites, and um, some stone axes and things like that. But since then, 250 years, everything you drive on, look at, everything that's been built is in that period of time. It's pretty amazing. The, you see, we're only 25, well, getting to 25 million people, and all this infrastructure has been put together by those few people to tax, to get all this done. And we ha we, it's because of our gross domestic product, the amount of money that we produce each year, or in the sales of things. 
And of course, America is there at the top, $19.4 trillion. That's about their national debt. So they owe as much as they earn per year. And you think of that in relation to personal debt, um, how hard that is sometimes to pay off. Europe's the second, 12.6 billion, China's the third. You go down to Australia, it's, it's just behind Canada of 1.6 trillion, Russia 1.5 trillion, South Korea 1.5, and we're 1.3 trillion dollars. 1.3 trillion dollars. You try to figure out a trillion dollars. You sort of, there's a lot of noughts there. You go from thousand to million to billion to trillion, and three noughts on each of them. A lot of money, and it's uh, turning over in the banks and things like that in businesses. <clears throat> then I thought, well, what about expense? Our government taxes us. Render to Caesar the things of the Caesar. If we don't render to Caesar, we won't have what we enjoy in our country. And we need to count the blessings, you know, that song we sing, count the blessings that we have. I, I did look up Israel. I thought, where are they? <laughs> They're 32nd of the 154 nations that were listed. They're 32nd. They've only been going 70 years. And the infrastructure's pretty good when you go there and see what they built, like Tel Aviv and Haifa. Uh, in Haifa they pay, in Tel Aviv they play, in Jerusalem they pray. And you think of what happens in those different main cities, that's what happens. You go, go to Haifa. <laughs> Don't go to Haifa. Know the roads before you get there because you get bushed. Jill and I, it was a fearful time to be bushed in, a, in Muslim territory up on Mount, the end of Mount Carmel where it goes to the sea. And I thought, we, we shouldn't be here. <laughs> but we found our way. We, we missed our turn off. But it, Haifa, very busy. And they've done that in, in 70 years. Now, I know it's a lot smaller country and, and you know, the roads is, didn't cost them as much per person, all the things compared with Australia. But what about our expenses? And, and Brother Perry prompted me to, <laughs> you started this, after the service last week, he said, you didn't mention one of the big spends that we spend on. What do we spend on? Where do our taxes go? Well, 175, almost $160 billion goes to social security welfare. That's 35% of the government's budget. The government budget is about $474 billion. 35% of it goes on welfare. That is becoming a welfare state almost. That's be, you know, where, where do you tip over into communism where it's the government running everyone or providing for everyone and paying everything? And that's, that, I think, is getting dangerously high. You see, each successive government, and this all comes from taxes, each successive government, what do they do at election year? That's coming up next year. Make promises, don't they? And they make promises. And you'll notice that some of the governments are getting sneaky now. They're doing a thing in a four-year projection. What are they doing? They're tipping the bill into the next government. Now, if they win government, <laughs> they have to pay it or raise it. But if they don't win government, then the next government has to pay it and are obligated by law to do what the previous one said they were going to do. $78.8 billion on health. And that's the one Brother Perry raised with me last. What about health? Anywhere in Australia you get sick, the ambulance will pick you up, take you to hospital and fix you up. And um, we found when we didn't have private insurance, so, you know, um, uh, Timothy cost 56 cents 
<laughs> that was all we paid. It was for a phone call we made when he was born, I mean, <laughs> at the hospital. <laughs> and, uh, but when we have private insurance, you go to the hospital, what happens? You pay. You pay $500 for the privilege of turning up. And then you pay a few thousand dollars on top of your private health insurance. It just doesn't make sense to me. But this is all how it works. $79 billion on health. You see, when we try to avoid tax, when we try to dodge the system, what we're doing is trying to destroy the infrastructure that God has blessed us with in obeying, you know, obey the rulers that be. Pay your taxes. And you could go on the list of education, 30, 36, 35 billion, 31 billion for defence, and so forth. We, as a country, are the second wealthiest nation in terms of wealth per adult after Switzerland. And you, you hear of Swiss banks. I thought, what, why Switzerland? Where do they get their wealth from? Swiss banks, what do people do to avoid taxes? Dump it in Switzerland. <laughs> I thought, maybe that's where they're getting their wealth but we'd be on top. We are a blessed people by the way the government... You see, it all comes back to the Lord has said 2,000 years ago, pays, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. <clears throat> now, total wealth is $8.9 trillion. And then I thought, well, where does the money you know, come from? And there's just five areas. Income tax. That is the tax you pay when you're on a wage... $323 billion. That's the majority of where the money comes from to pay for all the other things. And there's the old saying, don't bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> if the government is helping you out in any way, whether it be through the health system or the welfare system, you know, and we criticise and down them and uh, get angry, hey... <laughs> They're the ones that have made it possible. Yes, people are providing and somebody's paying a lot of tax and the wealthy, you know, the, you hear the Labor government down on the conservative governments. Up the taxes. Up the taxes. <laughs> Somebody who's earning money is paying the bill and sometimes up to 50 cents in the dollar. Sales tax, 69 billion. Customs, 30, well, 40 billion almost. And other little, thing, little things, <laughs> billions of dollars come in from five different sources. Thank the Lord that we're where we are because people have obe been obedient to the government. And, uh, you know, they're pressing towards the big companies that are trying to switch their profits. That are, they're in multi-countries. They're in different countries. And they try to switch the money around to avoid the taxes. And I think it's wise for the government to do that. Well, that comes from the thought on the question that the Herodians asked, who were government supporters, remember, Jews that supported the foreign rule in their country. They were for the government. And the Lord answered them and stopped the mouth, rendered therefore to the Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And thinking of that, the things of God. Acts chapter 4 and verse 18. You can do these searches for yourself and where we're at as a country in those areas. Uh, yeah, I'm unlearned and ignorant as far as computers are concerned, but I've learned how to dig, dig that one. 
and um, just type in a thought and it comes up on the computer. 4 verse 18, it says, <clears throat> And he called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. <clears throat> if you go over chapter 5 and verse 28, the apostles, uh, disciples are charged in verse 28, saying, Did we not strictly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man, the Lord Jesus, blood upon us. Hey, just a little bit ago, they were saying his blood be on us and our children. Now they're groaning about it and complaining. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. When we are pressed as Christians to disobey God, and we've made all efforts to, to obey man to the point where we have to disobey God, that's where the line is drawn in the sand, isn't it? That's where we can say there and no further. Now, are there some things in our country where it's got to that point in a country with the, with the constitution we've got? <laughs> yes. And I would hate our country to become a republic because they change that constitution, they take out the things that are based on scripture uh, in, in the constitution. Yes, there are, there are points there's a line been drawn in the sand. Uh, we're having a wedding here next weekend. If they come and demand that we have in our church that uh, same-sex marriage, it's not on. Now, so far, the freedom's there. But it could come. And, uh, you know, uh, vilifying those that do these things. The line's been drawn. And said, "No, we cannot go there. We do not, we do not agree, and we strongly disagree, according to the Word of God, that this is not on for the Christian." I don't know. I don't care who. Well, as one person says, "What sneeze and blow, Christ, um, Pope or whatever says, or higher in the religious order say to us that we ought to do, and it's okay." Peter and the other apostles answered, "said We ought to obey God. What about us? Are we going to get to that point?" I pray that as things get tougher and tighter, that we might obey God more than man. Let's go on to the second group of people here. <clears throat> so you have the royalists and now the rationalists. Now these are the sad UCs. I pronounce it like that because <laughs> they were a sad lot. Chapter 22. The, the first two lots are the more of the liberals, the liberal guys of the day, the Herodians and the Sadducees. The next two, the Pharisees and the scribes, were the conservatives. Uh, these questions, these questioned the rationalists, the Sadducees, biblical inerrancy and authority. They reasoned. They used human reasoning. And folks today, there are people in Christian circles that use human reasoning to come to conclusions about spiritual, so said, truth. 
it's wrong. And uh, as I've said before, to spiritualize scripture, and that is human reasoning, your understanding of what it's saying over the scriptures and not letting the scripture interpret the scripture as we're told to do in the Bible, compare scripture with scripture, we get to the point of putting our thoughts over God. That's serious business. That is dangerous to do when we impose what we think it should mean, what we'd like it to mean, over what it does mean, what the the true scriptural interpretation is of it. There's one interpretation of scripture, but there are many applications. I'm not arguing against application. I'm arguing against putting our reason over it and and trying to make it, it be interpreted wrongly. And this is what these people did the Sadducees, the rationalists, they reasoned, they spiritualized. To, tell, to spiritualize scripture is to tell spiritual lies about scripture. It's a simple line, but remember that. We see their disbelief explained in verse 23, Matthew 22 and verse 23. The same day came to him the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection and asked him, so their disbelief is explained. They rejected the supernatural. They rejected the resurrection. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if there is no resurrection of the dead, what does it say about all of us? In fact, in fact everybody. We have all men most miserable. You're a most miserable bunch if there's no resurrection. And these Sadducees were a miserable bunch according to the New Testament scripture. You read that in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 12 to 20. Um, They secondly declared poverty was evidence of God's disfavor. Where might they fit in today with the whole whole group of people that are around the world in Christian circles? The prosperity gospel. Let's turn. And one for them is to 1 Timothy chapter 6 to see what Paul said through inspiration of the scripture, was wrong with this reasoning. This is the Sadducees. 1 Timothy chapter 6. (coughs) And verse 4, we read, He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words, of which cometh envy, strife, railing, evil surmisings. If he doesn't give heed to what scripture says that's what he's been talking of perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth supposing that gain is godliness prosperity is godliness if you're rich you must be doing right hey is there anybody here knows some rich people that are not christians <laughs> you see that doesn't hold up even in human reasoning there are a lot of people who's the richest one in our country it is, yeah. Gina Reinhardt. And she, oh, Peter's not here tonight. He, had to, he, he, he set it all off um, last, last Sunday after the service about ha- Hancock. Was it her dad? Yes. And, and, and how he found the ore and what he did and how he became rich and now her children challenging that. And he got divorced and remarried and all the things that happened there. It's been on the news, hasn't it? But they're not Christians. 
they got a lot of money. Uh, we, we wouldn't be able to... They wouldn't be able to sit down and count it quick enough even flicking through $50 note or $100, go $100, huh, trying to go through that. They're disputings of men. In Christian circles, if we say that gain is godliness, study the scriptures. Look at the men of the Old Testament. Now, praise God if a person is rich. I'm not saying it's wrong to be rich, but it's wrong for riches to have you and control of you. But there in the Old Testament, poor, destitute, Wandering around in goat skins and animal skins and in living in caves and dens of the earth, as it says in Hebrews. Men of whom the world was not worthy. Supposing that gain is gone, withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can take nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Pretty potent words aren't they to those that would say as the, as the Sadducees said that poverty was evidence of God's disfavour it's potent words to those people against what they were believing they were wealthy these Sadducees aristocratic and powerful they submitted to foreign rule and thus they were favoured by Rome uh, <clears throat> They would have got well along with the Herodians there in that, degree, in that way. Uh, the liberals, Caiaphas being their leader, said that Christ was expendable to stay off Rome's disfavour to them, and that's in John's Gospel, chapter 11, 49 to 50. So we see these rationalists, their disbelief explained a little bit as we look at other scriptures. Um, from verse 23, they came and spoke to the Lord and he pointed out, or Matthew's pointing out, they say there's no resurrection. They asked him, saying, Master, and, and saying there's no resurrection is, is there because of what's now said. Their disbelief is expressed or exposed here. Verse 24 to 28, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren. And the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise the second also, and the third, and unto the seventh. And the last of all the women died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. <laughs> Their disbelief is expressed in what they said in these verses. The command that they cited in verse 24 is from Deuteronomy 25 and verse 5. The brother of a dead man is to marry the widow, as it's, as it's written, and, and rightly, that's what the scriptures say. The case they cited in verses 25 to 28 is a hypothetical situation. And how hypothetical do they do? You know, let's stretch it a bit. Let's make it really exaggerate this point. They went all the way. Seven of them died. There must have been a lot of wars on or something going on. <laughs> because the seven husbands died. You know, this is ridiculous. Even in that, it's pointed out how stupid they were in their reasoning. Human reasoning takes you places you don't want to go. And this is what they said. Um, <clears throat> hypothetically and their punchline was in verse 28 <laughs> in the resurrection whose husband shall she be 
a foolish and futile effort to discredit the Lord. And how silly did they look, how much egg on their face there was. And we see their disbelief exposed in verse 29 to 33. The third point under this, these, these folk, these Sadducees, <clears throat> what did the Lord do in, in verse 29 to 33? What, what he, you know, you're speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, deity. What did he do? He went to the Bible. He went to their scriptures. Isn't that a good example? Shouldn't we go to the book, go to the Bible and say, well, this is what the Bible says. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. Take him to scripture like the Lord Jesus did when he was confronted by the devil in the temptation. He went to the scriptures. And so their disbelief is exposed their ignorance rebuked, and um, <clears throat> their ignorance is seen in their ignorance of Scripture first in verse 29. For Jesus answered and said unto them, You do error not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. That's something particularly being said by who, whom it was said, the Lord Jesus. Their ignorance came not from an inability, but from an unwillingness to know what was written. You know, if... If we are liars to ourselves, we will try to avoid scripture that speaks to the point on the issue we have a problem with. We'll go all around. We'll, we'll hunt the whole Bible for something that will get us off the hook in, in this regard. That's, that's the way human nature is. And, and let's not abuse scripture that way in our lives at all. And so their ignorance is not from an inability they were smart intellectually. You know, we can be smart intellectually, but very unwise. Because, you're, because you can outwit a person and may even be able to quote scripture that sometimes confuses the humble person. And humble person's got the scripture to go back to think through it. Let me think through it for a while. I'll come back with an answer from the word. Uh, intellectualism is not wisdom. <laughs> need to know what it means and know as we compare scripture with scripture let's turn to a passage second peter chapter 3 verse 15 <clears throat> let's not be ignorant of the truth of god's word and let's not be a, a sadducee at heart we're going to second peter chapter 3 this is about the close of his second epistle verse 15 and Peter, Peter said an account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother <laughs> beloved brother read it was in Galatians where Paul confronted him and he still called him a beloved brother because he was corrected by scripture Peter was Paul beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do other scriptures unto their own destruction. And this is what these Sadducees were doing. They were resting the scriptures. They were twisting the scriptures to their own destruction unlearned and unstable they put things in the too hard basket people put things in the too hard basket saying no 
there is no resurrection and uh, don't talk to me about it as they do other scriptures and I don't know what other scriptures he knew but Peter knew of people that were saying Paul is too hard to understand let's not study that let's leave it and let's go into something a little lighter let's dig deep instead let's dig deep Christians believers and um, <clears throat> folks if and I've found over years if a man is convinced against his will he is of the same opinion still unless you can get to the scripture unless that person unless that Sadducee that one that spiritualizes, spiritualizes the scripture can see from the scripture and is willing to obey the scripture and not rest the scripture then they'll be of the same opinion no matter if you win the argument that's the way it is and it's sad but we need to be soft and pliable when it comes to scriptural truth Um, things yeah we have had to change over time in what we believe not a whole lot but there are things where we need to think is this true what I believe what I preach is it right and go to the scriptures and see that it is it's not that they cannot but will not believe the scripture let's be ones that will believe the scriptures Uh, some don't want to let go their control you see if you spiritualize scripture what you're doing you're trying to control what it says what the bible says or what they think the bible says but you need to let go and let God control. Let him speak to you. The Lord's condemnation of them was threefold. They were self-deceived like those people that were spoken of in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21 and 22. Where we read, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they become what? fools they become fools by doing this by denying the scripture by denying the obvious literal interpretation of scripture they become fools these Sadducees but denying the scripture we'll have a look in a minute what they denied from their Old Testament they'd become fools and so of these people in this on this occasion in Romans and this is talking about sodomy as you get down in the verses to follow they become fools let's turn to Acts chapter 13 and verse 27 Acts 13, 27. The second thing that the Lord condemned them for was not only self-deception, but ignorance of Scripture and the spiritual content of Scripture. This is in Acts chapter 13 and verse 27. We read there, For, for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, the Lord Jesus, nor yet the voice of the prophets, they didn't know the Bible, though they spouted that they did. And hey, the, Jew, the, the religious, what do you call them? The, the, help me, Andrew. Um, uh, Orthodox, thank you. The Orthodox Jews in Israel now, uh, they are chanting the scriptures. They're reading the scriptures. They're at the wailing wall saying scriptures, like, literally like this. They're in their little Bible colleges, and Andrew's got a name for them. And there's hundreds and hundreds of them in there, memorizing the scripture. They put us to shame. But they don't understand scripture. 
This is the this is the Sadducees, ignorance of Scripture, though they've got it right before them, and here they don't understand the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath. The Lord's saying it's going over and over it, but you're not getting it. They have fulfilled them. They have fulfilled the Scripture in condemning the Lord. If they had known Scripture, these Sadducees and Pharisees and the Herodians and the scribes, if they had known Scripture, what wouldn't they have done? They wouldn't have crucified the Lord because it was prophesied that he would die. Where would you go if you only had the Old Testament to say the Lord's going to suffer? Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Zechariah. You know, you could go to Old Testament Scripture that tells you so. Don't be ignorant of Scripture and what it says. Let's, let's, not, let's not be of those that try to wriggle our way around Scripture when it speaks to us saying you're wrong. You're wrong. Just submit to the power of Scripture. So important in our day when liberalism and apostasy is going everywhere. Um, the third thing the Lord condemned them for is unwillingness to accept God's divine intervention in the affairs of mankind. And this is back where we were in Second Peter <coughs> chapter 3. They didn't believe that God divinely intervened in things. Well, he does. And, and he will. And he's just about to. He knows when. And the date might be 2000 and whatever. Soon, he could rattle the world. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4. And saying, Where is the promise of his coming since the fathers fell asleep? All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God and the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the judgment of the great uh, against the judgment the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this thing that one day with the lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day uh, they, these people had unwillingness to accept god's divine intervention and because god has not intervened for uh, close on 2000 years in a miraculous way people are saying Oh, it doesn't exist. They are digging up dinosaurs. They're digging up these stuff all over the world. In our country, this is some of the biggest. We didn't think they were here, but they were. <clears throat> and uh, what are they saying? Billions and billions of years ago, this happened. And these come from, the birds come from them. And the, the well, we're talking to Damien about this this morning. And it, it's a lie. They are digging up all these things all over the world. Catastrophe everywhere. Yet they deny the flood they deny the flood and they and and denying the flood they're also denying what's going what the second catastrophe of the destruction of the world is fire and that's what it says next deny one you deny the other and uh, <clears throat> just just this week and I think I said it at prayer meeting that reading the the DNA unsaved scientists have dug into delved into it and studied it and the DNA, they trace all the different animals and, and humans back. And they don't get beyond 200,000 years. And they said it all started at one time. <laughs> Genesis, creation, 
It all started at one time. Now they're still tens of thousands of years out, but that's not billions of years out like they try to say. Uh, <clears throat> unwillingness to accept that God's divine intervention in the affairs of the, of the world in the world is like that today. No, no God, doesn't exist, evolution is true, and headlong to destruction. And God is going to put the brakes on, and the world's going to come to a screeching halt, and it's going to be burned up with fire. Their disbelief exposed, their ignorance rebuked, the ignorance of Scripture. Don't ignore the word. The state, they're ignorant. Secondly, the rebuke of their ignorance of the state of saints after the resurrection. Back there they said, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. Because they denied the dis and disbelieved Scripture, what else went out the window when the Bible spoke about it, well, angels and spirits who have no need nor desire to marry nor to proper, pro, propagate, they are immortal. You see, when this mortal puts on immortality, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, then shall be brought to pass the same. We won't need that in that time. They don't need it now, the angels and the spirits. <clears throat> Remember the angels that sinned in Noah's day that had been locked up? What did they do? It's believed that they, they had relationships with women. They saw the women of that day. And that, that, that's something that's, been, that's written in Scripture. You compare it with Scripture, you compare it with the Old Testament. And they, they, they suffer, they're, they're locked up for their gross sin of that day. You say, oh, see... They were able to, yeah, but they did what was not what they should have done. <laughs> and that's why they've been panned up. They've been locked up under lock and key. And I hope, I'd, it, I can't say it's true, but what we looked at Revelation, it might be they're unlocked for a while during the in the tribulation. That'd be a horrid time to be around. But these people don't, didn't believe in angels. And uh, they didn't understand the scriptures and what it talked about angels. There in that day, they don't need to have sleep. They don't need to eat, but they, they can. They don't age. There's no temptation. There's no sleep there. Beside all this, the recent resurrection of Lazarus was still fresh in the minds of these people. It was common knowledge of the day. Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 12 and verse 9. The Gospel of John 12 and verse 9, and see what these people tried to do. You see, the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. How many people did Jesus raise during his ministry that we have a record of? Three. And there's Jairus' daughter. And there was um, where we're going now to Lazarus. And there was, help me. Say. The boy that died at Nain. <laughs> and that's right. The three of them. Chapter 12 of John's Gospel and verse 9. <clears throat> we read, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus. Let's have a feely touch. <laughs> He's a man that was dead. He's alive, is he? Poke him. See if he says, ouch. 
that they might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus to what? To the death, also to death, because by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. They went away from the religious system and believed on Jesus because here's a man that was dead, proven to be dead, was in the tomb. Uh, Lord, he stinketh, said his sister. Don't, don't do anything. Don't open it. He smells by this time, four days later, and he was raised from the dead. So these Sadducees, to disprove the resurrection, they were going to kill him and get rid of his testimony. Hey, people today do that to scripture. They try to kill it. They try to muzzle the person that's speaking it. Beside that which would had happened in their day, the three resurrections that they knew of, there was the Old Testament scripture that confirmed resurrection as well. Job 19:26, though my body worms do eat, yet I shall see him. After his body's dissolved and eaten, then he will see the Lord, Elijah and the child, Elijah and the widow's son. And Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, I will stand in my lot until the day of resurrection. So they had enough scripture, the Old Testament, and they were supposed to be students of it, to say it's true. The state of saints after the resurrection, that resurrection is true. These people denied it. The Lord had them because he knew the scripture. And well, he is God, of course, and knew there was resurrection and knew there was life after death. Their ignorance is revealed in 31 to 33, back in Matthew 20, 22. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, ye have not, have you not read it was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Death doesn't cause a person to cease being. We mentioned that this morning. Death does not annihilate us or cause soul sleep. Their rationalism, their humanism, their spiritualization of Scripture led them to this absurd position. God is not the God of the non-existent. What is, he trying to, what is the Lord trying to teach them and tell them here? I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. What, what, what does he put that in? He's put it in the present tense. He said, these people are still living. I'm still the God of Abraham who's still alive, though he's been dead for um, thousands of years. Yeah, He'd gone a long time ago. And Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. They're living now. He said, uh, you know, and the Lord knew that, didn't he? He'd, he'd seen them after their death in heaven. And so their ignorance of scripture is revealed. He's the God of the living, absent from the body and present with the Lord. And the rich man and Lazarus, as we mentioned this morning. The public's delight expressed in verse 33. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. You see, they'd been taught things that were dull and boring and no, it just didn't sound right. But when they heard the Lord, there was the wow, you know, if we say today, the wow factor. Wow. That's unbelievable, but I'll believe it because it's true. It has the ring of truth. The unimagined depths of Scripture were opened up by the Lord Jesus exposing these Sadducees. Um, <coughs> 
Turn to Luke chapter 20 to close. Luke chapter 20 and verse 39. This is uh, another instance recalling the same event. And after, and as we read in verse 38, for, God, for he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That's a bit different in Matthew. For all live unto him. Then it's said in verse 39. Now remember who he's speaking of here. Then certain of the scribes answering said, Master, you've well said. That's their response. They were the conservatives. They interpreted scripture in a more literal sense. And they said, well, you nailed them good. And they were, they were probably in the crowd saying, yes, yes, yes. I've never heard it put so. What a wonderful answer to those Sadducees. You see, because they were locking horns all the time. They were at each other's heads, knocking each other. Master, thou hast well stead. Well, I put down here, you stitched them up well and good. And that's what the scribes were thinking. But you see, they're going to expose how silly they are, along with their Pharisee mates in the, in the next section of Scripture, which we'll go to in a couple of weeks' time. And, um, we have next Sunday, we have a, a visiting preacher, uh, Brother Miles, who <laughs> will be opening and sharing the word with us next Sunday evening. And so, <clears throat> um, stitch us up. <laughs> with the word of God use that to be a blessing to us in ministry I don't know about you as you look at these religious leaders I see today in our world the same groups of people they've got different names they're not royalists they're not rationalist and um, <clears throat> they're, they're not of the Pharisees but they have the same sort of beliefs and the same result in their life and the life of their ministries is happening it, things haven't changed much. They might give it a different name and dress it up differently, but it's still the same within, the same result from their ministry. Let's be obedient to the book. <laughs> There's nothing else but the scriptures of the Lord. And if it's saying you're wrong, search the scriptures. Be, be like the Bereans that were more noble in that they what? Search the scriptures, whether these things be so. Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful ability to expose error from the scripture. May we learn from the master teacher tonight to be able to correctly divide the word of God, not for our own praise, not for our own ego, but for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us the wisdom from the word. Give us the understanding. May your spirit teach us in this day where error is everywhere to be enlightened to truth and to stand for it unapologetically. Bless us and each one here. Bless the young people. Help them to grow in the knowledge of the Lord in wisdom and stature and to become defenders of the faith when thus old ones have gone. Lord, bless the word in Jesus' name. Amen.